The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, so today the topic is the fifth hindrance, which is usually referred to as doubt. As far as I know, all the English translators and teachers uh, refer to this as doubt. The meaning of the ancient word is somehow to, it means to uh, think in faulty ways, think in unskillful ways. And, and that's how the ancient commentary understands it. It's a way of thinking, it says, quoting them, that uh, knows the distinction between what is skillful and not skillful, what serves us and what doesn't serve us, or what should be served and what should not be served uh, with our life energy. And um, it's very useful to understand this fifth hindrance as doubt, because it's a obstacle that many people are struggling with, um, especially, I think, uh, maybe more so uh, for practitioners in the West who come to Buddhism to meditate, because it's all a little strange. Uh, we're doing something that is maybe different than what we grew up with, even the values we grew up with, the religion we grew up with. And, um, and maybe it's also very different from the values of our society. And so, uh, and what we've been taught by society about what's important, and even uh, what we taught uh, by our society about who we are and what we should be about with our desires, our aversions, our wishes, our way we think about ourselves. And so when we start settling in practice, it's natural to, to have doubt, have uncertainty, and not know how to go forward, and not know where to commit ourselves, what, what activity to give ourselves to. And uh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should I be, um, uh, you know, I can't let go of my, you know, my, the anger, I resentment I've carried all my life, and... Um, but here I'm practicing and they're telling me to, you know, let go or to be mindful of it or settle more deeply. And I don't know who I am and what should I do. Um, there can be doubt about the practice, doubt about the teachings, doubt about oneself and one's ability to practice. And it's said that this kind of doubt can derail us from doing the practice. But the important thing I want to emphasize here, doing the practice, that... Um, uh, the way that the ancients under, Buddhists understood this fifth hindrance, it was a kind of faulty thinking that sets us off in the wrong direction. It's thinking which is not very profound, which, which doesn't arise out of our wisdom or out of the yoniso manisikara, out of the profound, profound way of thinking from somehow in our depths. When I uh, began meditating on my own in college, I started doing it twice a day, and um, and I had good reasons to do it. I was suffering, and I wanted to somehow deal with my suffering. And then an unusual thing happened after practicing it for many months, is when I, when I was meditating, the suffering that I was trying to contend with just wasn't there anymore. It wasn't I had solved it or figured it out, and 
it didn't actually go away so much in my daily life, but in meditation it was no longer there. And since I'm kind of a, like to have reasons for things, I wondered why am I still meditating? And, uh, and I felt compelled to meditate. It just felt like the right thing to do. And I had no doubts about that I should do it, but I didn't have the reasons. And I thought that was really strange. And I, so I lived with this kind of question for a while. And then one day I felt, oh, what's happening here is that uh, when I sit down to meditate, this is the most profound expression of myself, expression, just th- that it's available to me, that's no different than the way that an artist expresses herself in with paints or an artist expresses themselves with... Um, Uh, dancing, or someone plays a musical instrument, that it's a kind of expression that is fulfilled in the moment. It isn't like for a purpose beyond itself. And, um, and, uh, and it just felt like this beautiful expression of somehow the depths or, uh, somehow my wholeness or, for me, I used the word integrity at the time. And then the task for me, uh, became, how do I bring that sense of wholeness, integrity, the sense of that what was what wanted to be expressed from my depths into my whole life outside of meditation? And um, so then the question is, was, how do I speak? How do I present myself to other people? What are the things I do with my life? What are the actions I do? The question was, when I sit down to meditate, uh, what is it that connects me to this? What is it that that comes out of this feeling of, of um, depth that I have, that feels wholesome, that feels healthy, that feels this is a, a meaningful way to live a life, is to come from this feeling of connectedness and presence and that came out of here. And it gave a direction to my life, and it gave a, a, a clarity about what I was doing in meditation. There was, uh, I'm here to sit and wake up and be present to relax and open to this depth that's within, this place of, of freedom from contraction. I'm here to no longer live with tension, no longer live with craving and desire, no longer live with conceit. All these things I could feel were diminishing myself, making myself less than I actually am in some way. And... Um, and uh, so it became very clear that when my mind started drifting off in thought and those thoughts didn't serve myself, I knew it. Oh, they were kind of an ouch. They were kind of like the diminishment of the wholeness, the fullness of who I was, I am. And so of course I wanted to return here to this moment, here. And I found it was so profound just to say the word here. Here I am. This is how it is now. We're sitting in the here-ness of the moment that there was something very profound, even if the here-ness of the moment was my suffering or was thoughts that were unskillful. In saying out here and just being alive, being present, feeling the totality of it and s- somehow, I was no longer participating in it, but I was also not condemning it. I was not fighting it. I was not just, I'm here with it, not giving into it. So I had clarity. So part of this fifth hindrance, and uh, as I'm talking about the hindrances overall for this week, 
uh, have a lot to do with action. The Buddha was said to be a teacher of action. How do we act? How do we engage? What do we do with our life energy? Meditation can often be seen as passivity, like we're not supposed to do anything. It's not right. In Buddhist meditation is an action, it's an activity that we engage in. It's when we engage in in a peaceful way, in a calm way. It's when we engage in that stills and quiets the overactive mind. The mind might become quiet and peaceful, but it, our action is still very peaceful and calm and settled, soft, but it's still showing up in an activity, it's still being here. At some point, uh, this inner express, expression of life coming through us, to be alive, to be present, is not something we do self-consciously. It's just here, flowing through us. But it's still an activity that we're here, showing up here, being here, in this full way. So this last uh, hindrance, often called doubt, sometimes more interestingly considered to be indecisiveness, uh, not knowing what to decide what to do. But at, uh, in the original text, the original teachings, it was more than those. It was faulty thinking, the kind of thinking that doesn't understand what is for our best and what's best for the world, how to show up for ourselves any moment in a healthy way, in a skillful way and uh, not to know that. And the ancient text talks, the way we know that is not from the surface mind, not from the mind that thinks in shallow ways, jumping around, and, and the mind that thinks from, you know, anxiety or worry or, or uh, you know, uh, kind of greed or hatred, but the mind that's deep, the mind that, that uh, kind of a deep source within, that's settled, that's peaceful. That's not easy to have, but that's part of the function of meditation, is to wake up, relax, get settled, create a sense of of, uh, unity or harmony or wholeness with being here, where we're not divided against ourselves. We don't divide ourselves, fragment ourselves by our desires and aversions, by our fears and our shutting downs by our restlessness and our regrets. We do the opposite. We show up for all of it, warts and all, but from this profound place of wholeness, of integrity, of willingness to kind of open and feel. So to have vichiketta, I think it's pronounced in Pali, to have this uh, uh, harmful way of thinking, faulty way of thinking that gets in the way of doing the practice because it takes us in the wrong direction. And so we're called upon not to read Buddhist texts so we have no doubt about you know, what the teachings are about. We're called upon to develop the inner sensitivity that we can understand from our own inner experience, this is healthy. Not only is it healthy, but if we're gonna serve something profound, serve this health, serve this 
wholesomeness. It's the same health and wholesomeness that will support you to serve and care for the suffering of this world. The world needs us. It needs us to do this healthy work so that in small ways and big ways we can make a difference in this world, a difference in making it a better place for everyone. So thank you for this uh, week of exploring the hindrances. I hope this was useful for you. And I'll be back here on Monday for uh, continuing this, what 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 I'm calling part two of Introduction to Mindfulness Meditation. And um, thank you.